0: David, bro, we have to talk about something. Yes, we do. This is the Daydream Cast starring Bro and Murph with guest star David from the Twin Geeks Cast, uh, where they talk about movies. Um, why am I? Why haven't I been on the Twin Geeks Cast? Uh, you have like been two years. It, has it been? It,
1: there's no way it's been two
0: years. Um, it's been like two years. Now look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little something. in all, now, fairness. I fucked up the Evil Dead episode my bad.
2: <laughs> no, no, he's he's right cuz you guys did the Batman episode around the start of COVID and I remember cuz I was listening to that while power washing my driveway, which was the first thing I did when I was furloughed.
0: I I Look, David, all I'm going to say is we brought you back after the reboot. We were like, we need the first guest, David. <laughs> Um, to well, add I'm, legitimacy, I'm very glad
1: that you guys chose to have me back as the first guest. I'm very excited. Uh, of course, if it's not been s- said enough already, I'm very happy with the new direction with everything here. Murphy's been a terrific co-host to, to bro here. Uh, keep up the. I good... agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. Um, so your your performance review has been quite positive. Uh, from the other twin geeks staff members so uh, we're, we're, we're gonna keep you on we're gonna renew you all for another season here uh, right. oh thank God but yes bro you're right we do need to get you back uh the twin Geeks uh, show not no longer the twin geeks cast just the twin geeks has taken a, a new direction for how we're doing podcasts now uh, but there's definitely room to, to fit you in I think part...
2: <laughs> what's a what's a filmography I mean? you're familiar with bro <laughs>
0: I, hey man, I could to quote Murph, I could tussle with the best of them. Okay, you give me an obscure nineteen forties black and white filmmaker, I can do it. I can do it, guys. Come on. Oh, I feel like Bro
2: could Bro could do like a Sam Raimi, couldn't he?
0: Probably. probably I could. Yeah, I think so. And and for the record. I did do Tarantino and Scorsese back in the old style. That is true.
1: You were there for those, and they were they were great episodes. They were kind of the precursors to this new format. So no, we're we have not count you out by by any means. Okay. We, just, right. we just wrapped up our first, you know, guest on. We had Steven on to talk about the films of Jean Cocteau. Um did, did
2: what I did with the Rankin Bass specials not count? Oh
1: no! I, I, yeah, it did. It, <laughs> I mean, I, we looked at that as the, the kind of the dry run. So you're you're right though. You're right, Murph. That, that oh. we were the first guest
0: for. You've offended format. both people on this podcast now. You know what?
1: Can we just start over? Can we just like go from the top? No,
0: no, we're good. How about this? This is now your performance interview. You know,
1: oh, let's shit. see if you
0: stay on. You're right. Okay. Uh, tell me about Kirby. Okay, so
1: yeah, so we're on to the the what you play in section now um and there, there was he headlined the
2: segment he headlined the segment putting that down
1: <laughs> so I'm sure as you guys know there was a new Kirby game recently released uh, mm-hmm. Kirby in the Forgotten Land 3D Kirby I've heard. Kirby in in a 3D environment no more of that side scrolling platforming anymore now we're we're in it now baby
0: is that the first time I legit don't know Kirby's been in 3D for uh Air Ride that was a 3D Kirby game I mean, like I know, like sixty, like they've done three D games that are two D, like Return to Dreamland or whatever, and then like the the Wii one I meant by that, and then the uh, sixty four one, but I don't know if it's like three D space. I like I don't know if the three DS one. I that.
2: I don't think so. I think yeah. this is like Kirby's first full control three D environment. <laughs> yeah,
0: and how was that, David? It uh it translates pretty well,
1: I would say. It's. It's not like, like people who've compared it have seen to like a Mario Odyssey or or, or whatnot are a little off base. That's that's the most immediate comparison I've seen uh, because it's still largely like single level oriented. It's not like open world exploration. You know, every game now is going open world. Everything's about being that open world. And this is not that, even though it initially kind of looked that way. Uh, It's still very kind of standard Kirby levels going through, you know, make your way through a world, get to the big boss at the end, fight the boss, you know, move on to the next theme world. You know, your typical platformer progression style. Uh, But as far as doing that, it translates very well. Um, I would say the the Kirby series has continued this trend of making games increasingly easier and simple (laughs) and less challenging. But they found new interesting ways to create, uh, you know, Uh, something fun to to get into more so it's not just a breeze so to speak there are things hidden throughout the levels it's a lot more about the exploration so unlike your regular mario you know um platformers you've got still there's no timers or anything to worry about which is something that the series has long discarded and i think that's really emphasized here especially that the 3d spaces really emphasize the sense of exploration because you got to go into all these nooks and crannies and find these secret pathways where a bunch of uh, waddledees are hiding. That's, that's kind of the main gimmick of, of these levels is that there's different waddle hidden throughout. Uh, three that they advertise to you uh, kind of up front, and then at the end of a level, there's like an additional two secret waddle and then if, if you get a certain amount of them, it'll like tell you what, what the thing you had to do was get them, because sometimes it's weird stuff like, oh, you're supposed to eat food off of three stumps throughout the level... <laughs>
0: How does the uh how does the actual like gimmick of marketing gimmick of the game <laughs> the uh the the eating of objects to become like half the object the the do they call that is that a name they, they have a, they call they, it something?
1: they have a name it's called mouthful mode if you'll believe it that's the that's the actual name that they went with mm,
2: <laughs> I see uh, and, don't like that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was a little shocking when we saw it first in the in the trailers um but you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Um I think it makes a logical you know, sense of progression for uh, you know, Kirby gimmicks as a character. He's, you know, kind of taking on you know, he takes on the properties of enemies as it is by absorbing them. Now he's just taking on the properties of objects and, and using their various advantages.
2: And But it's like the implication is he's not like swallowing it though, he's just sort of it's like it's like Kirby foreskin mode. <laughs>
0: It's like my dog who doesn't like completely chew the thing. He just kind of keeps it in his mouth to taunt me. Yeah. He's like, "You don't have this stick, I have this stick." Look, look,
1: Kirby, he's a swallower. Dude. We, we know that, but he he Ugh. even even he's got his limitations there. You know, he he's got he's got the suck, but he, you know, it, there's still only so much he could take in there. So, you know, full-size cars, vending machines, Large traffic cones.
2: You know, he's he's gonna
1: have his limits there. He's gonna reach a breaking point.
2: Do you think the inside of Kirby's mouth is moist?
1: I feel like it has to be. I I, I can't imagine. I, I just anything else to be like a non moist mouth. I can't even like picture in my mind. Like what what is yeah. that? Are there other animals out there who have just like?
2: So when he when he pops off that car, there's like a a nice sheen of saliva over it. <laughs>
1: Not that we see in the game, but in my mind, definitely I see, I well, see
0: Well, wait, wait another 30 years for high definition Real high definition graphics We'll see Kirby
2: saliva, a guarantee it, mm-hmm. 100%. What do you 100% On that same vein, what do you think Kirby's, like, texture is? I've wondered this a lot Like, if you petted I've, Kirby I've always, like, assumed rubber or, like, bubble I think of one of those, like, Super balls. Right. They're, like, sort yeah. of speckled.
1: So, so, yeah, he'd have yeah. that very kind of, like, like ish texture. Like, a combination of rubber and flesh, I would think, is mm-hmm. is kind of somewhere in between there is what he would feel like.
2: Now, the thing about this game that really intrigued me from the trailer is that you can upgrade the copy abilities. Yes. Is there a sort of, like, is it just, like, only one upgrade per ability? Or is it, like... uh? a distinct evolution
1: there there is a an a series of evolutions uh i have not played too much of the game myself i'm mostly watching my wife play uh the game mm. and oh you could
0: do co-op yes yeah yeah i know but i
1: was i was wanting her to to experience it first herself i didn't want to just like jump right in although she she definitely wanted me to i was like no no I'll take your time and, and try it out first uh i did a l-
0: you could just be bandana like the one like I, I played the demo yeah. with savannah and like i could be waddle d waddle d is fine right right it's not
1: it's not the same because you don't get absorbed the powers but you know but D is kind of cooler in, in his own way
0: he's got style but yeah, yeah yeah
1: but but the answer yeah I believe it's two additional stages of power upgrades so like the fire is like the primary example it upgrades into like a, a volcano fire power and then after that okay. you can upgrade it into a dragon fire and oh. that that power itself, it just gets to a kind of ridiculously busted point. Because it just, like, it sticks on, like, bosses and just does continuous damage to them. It's, like, easy mode, for sure.
2: I <laughs> see. Okay, so that's very that's very Ratchet & Clank upgrades to me. Where it, like, changes the properties of the thing. That's a... I'm very into that.
1: Yeah, I think it's, again, another logical progression. I, the, the powers have kind of become one of the more appealing, you know, aspects of the Kirby series. I think that's when I think they, they really hit their stride was once they started introducing them. I can't remember which it was, but the the one that really inspired my imagination as a kid was the one where you could combine powers. So you had these different, like, cross ones you could do. You could put the fire and the ice together or the wind and the ice or the cut and the fire or whatever.
2: Uh, 64 has that, and so does Squeak Squad and Star Allies. I don't know if those were necessarily the first.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. E- even listing off the titles, I don't know which one was the one I would have, you know, been playing as a kid. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think this is another great addition to that for the series. But I would say the greatest strength of this new Kirby game is the, the atmosphere and the environment and the, the art direction of everything. It's a very beautiful game you know particularly uh stylus miles for, for a kirby game uh it's kind of this wonderful you know like kind of dreamlike dystopia that you're kind of exploring through um mm-hmm. and, and it, again like like kind of like the inverse of your usual dystopia settings you know there's a serenity to it uh that that's really nice and it's backed by this wonderful booming kind of like like orchestral score that's uh uh, accompanying the, the entirety of the game, it really stands out. It really amplifies and and makes itself known, and it's it's just so wonderful. I would I would listen to this soundtrack on my own. I need to get my hands on a copy personally. I, mean, I I think it's such a a great accentuating element of it. It's you know it, it kind of justifies you know everything about the game just in and of itself. Just the soundtrack alone, I think.
2: Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, you've definitely sold me on it. I'm I'm not one who dislikes Kirby games being simple, because in my mind, Kirby games are kind of like like dynasty warriors for kids.
0: Yeah, um, you know? I can see that.
2: <laughs> in fact, I'd like a Kirby Musou game. I think that would work very well.
0: Yeah, and I, he could just absorb all of the, like, yeah. all of the m- horde.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I that think would be fun.
1: The exploration and the collecting of the Waddle Dees is... Uh, I think a really positive aspect for someone who who may be trepidatious about you know uh, getting into it because oh Kirby games are so easy. Just as a like a direct comparison, uh, last year I went and replayed through Epic Yarn with my wife as well, and found that after a while, uh, even though I, I enjoyed it very much the first time when it came out, it was gonna, it had been tedious this time because it had been so simplistic, so watered on so easy mm-hmm. to progress through, and basically the only thing. You're going along and collecting is just this endless barrage of money and jewels that uh, that they don't feel necessarily satisfying to collect, especially because they're so abundant. Whereas the waddledees here are hidden away, and you know they're they're not uh, always apparent, and you, you, it encourages you to do you know, uh, more exploration and go out of your way and collect everything there because you don't know if that's going to be the incentive to get the waddledees you need. And the waddledees are actually a tool of progression as well you need a certain amount to get to the next world so hmm. it's it's a required element but again like any good amount you know there's so much of them scattered throughout so many levels that uh, even just playing through casually you could you know progress fairly easily you won't have to like really dig and get all of them to get to the next area
2: hmm. okay okay wow i'm definitely intrigued it's been on my radar since it was announced and to hear that it's uh you know good mm-hmm. uh definitely makes me want to it's, play it it's one of the maybe, best Kirby maybe next games, week i think
1: uh it's certainly one of the best that i've played in a long time and uh i, I think it's faring very well again as, uh, as a transition for him uh to the new 3d environment i think it's a you, you couldn't ask for a better uh
2: move over Okay. Does it have a yeah. tall vampire GF? <laughs> there,
1: there is a bu- busty cat lady that uh, oh, uh, I, I would Clock? say. Yeah, there we yeah, go. So, so hey, that that's your equivalent there. I would say there's a busty cat lady that you can. Uh,
0: I see. Burf, I'm. This is gonna be a. So- no, I'm not. We're not gonna have that conversation <laughs> just yet. We're not gonna have the furry conversation yet. We're gonna go into Resident Evil 8. Murph, tell me about Resident Evil
2: 8. Uh, Resident Evil 8, uh, colloquially known as Resident Evil Village, um, I is the final game in my Resident Evil retrospective, um, and I think it. I think it is a high note to go out on. I think Village is probably one of the best games in the entire franchise.
1: That's, a, okay, that's impressive. Right. That's impressive. So, what makes it this? What 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 justifies the these high laurels
2: here? As I've gone through the Resident Evil franchise, I've come across that like Resident Evil, the ideal one needs to be a little bit like just the right amount of scary because it is a horror franchise, but it also needs to be just the right amount of stupid. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the games don't add enough stupid and some add too much stupid. There's not really one that's too scary, I can't say, but there are ones that are not scary enough. Mm-hmm. And I think Resident Evil 8 finds that perfect balance. There are um there are some great set pieces, some great characters in this one cuz you it's like a, it's like a carnival of horror where it's redirecting you to these different like fun houses it's like here's the vampire level here's the fish man level here's the genuinely terrifying dollhouse level and here's Nicolas Cage
1: (laughs) yeah I I think your assessment there of the the stupid to scary ratio is pretty you know spot on especially going back even to the first games I think people are inclined to forget how ridiculous a a shark and a giant snake are yeah yeah
2: (laughs) But, but yeah and I think those are I some think of the, the best flavoring of yeah and I think the flavoring of these areas each one's so distinct unto itself like the the first area is like the castle and that's your very typical Resident Evil fair where you're solving puzzles to open doors and all the while there's this stalker enemy that uh, you can't kill but will follow you around um and that's very great. And then you immediately move from that to sort of a an escape room type environment where you're just solving puzzles and escaping a giant fetus. Ew. Spoilers. Ew. <laughs> um, and then you move on to that, to like a big action set piece with this fish man. Um, before dialing it back to that more traditional Resident Evil style with the factory level, and it's just it's just good gameplay flow. It's it's got a lot of variety and like real nice uh, escalating and lowering of tension when needed. And the village environment itself, which is sort of your hub in between these sections, is just a real joy to explore. There's a lot of little hidden nooks and crannies, like entirely separate optional dungeon areas with their own unique bosses and like rewards that you can completely miss if you're not even looking around. Like it's easy, you if you're not like looking for weapons, you can go through this game with just your pistol and shotgun.
1: So, how does the village environment of eight compare to the village environment of like four?
2: I think eight has its has more character because it has more backstory. Eight is more tight. You also
0: don't return to like the four village. Like yeah. the four village is like a very minute part of like the total experience. Like,
1: can, can you four tell? Is much more of a movie. Can you tell? I haven't played these yeah. games
2: necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the village section of four is its best moment. Um, cause that's when it's, it's, it's probably the most iconic. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what stood
1: out to me. And again, it made me think about four. When, when you say Resident Evil Village, I, I think about, you know, the, like the beginning part of four.
2: Yeah. I think, I think eight is like the perfect marriage of Resident Evil four and Resident Evil seven. Um, because it's got a lot of the mechanics from 4, like these little treasures you can seek out, and a merchant character. I love the merchant in this game, the duke. He's mm-hmm. my he's my fat sugar daddy. Um, and, yeah, it's just a... It's got a real nice emotional core. I think that's what surprised me about Village. Because... I, I came out of Resident Evil 7, like, unironically loving Ethan Winters as a protagonist. Some people shit on him because he's bland. And it's like, that that's the point. He's so aggressively generic that you can put him, like, any lens on him and it works. And in this, they make him a dad. And his whole quest is to rescue his infant daughter. And, you know, it, it, it works. It works real well. Because a lot of the Resident Evil games are about escape. Like, oh, I got to get out of this mansion. I got to get out of this police station. I got to get out of Raccoon City. There's very few games about actually going headfirst into the peril. And Resident Evil 8 is about that. And I I just love how it concludes. It has a very strong emotional climax, I feel.
1: Right, that's great. You make a strong case for it, it sounds like.
0: A compelling argument. All right, now it's time for me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um... I, I have talked about this game on the podcast before I I did watch your playthrough when you played it I watched bits of it mm-hmm. I I liked watching it more I think I think looking back I, I'll agree especially in some parts like I think the environments and that sort of level pacing is I think really cool I'm trying to like really capture how I felt disappointed by mm-hmm. the game to sort of like give the bitter to the sweet here Um you, you you know i think i phrased it in a in a sort of mirror to what you just said in the um it feels like resident evil 4 meets resident evil 7 for me it felt like it at times a jack of all trades master of none mm-hmm. particularly when it came to combat um i felt i felt like sort of like i never felt like the complete rush of one of the more action oriented resident evils Um, I will say that there's really good spook factors, but then the comedy is sort of like laced in with it at it. Like really weird times. I don't know. I think the only moment I profoundly loved was the dollhouse and then possibly the Domitresk, uh, castle. But otherwise, like I didn't love the merman section. And like when we go near the end regarding, uh, the, the, uh, let's just say the Chris Redfield comes back in the plot again. Let's just say that. um, I, I, I didn't like it as much. Mm -hmm. I I felt like even though, and I think we agreed when we talked about it was like, that's a really good way to weave in that sort of finale. Cause the way normal resident evil pacing is, is it it becomes a power fantasy by the end Uh, at the start. You're weak and you're trying to escape a place, but at a certain point in the game Roughly like uh, You know how At X point You become super powerful And you're not scared of things anymore yeah. Except the big things mm-hmm. And then at that point It becomes a power fantasy And I think Chris Redfield Is Like that That entire Last chunk Is able to Undermine Ethan's role Yet maintain that sort of Power fantasy combat in a really cool way but also i think it's start that's when it starts whimpering Mm -hmm. as a plot as well so i mean that 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 was my take for me i would have just placed it like b tier that that was my feelings on it personally i i preferred seven more but i can also agree or like i can also acknowledge that seven is a little bit more limited as a game Seven is, uh, doesn't have as much variety and doesn't have as much, is a little messier, but I don't know. I I liked how seven felt.
2: Yeah. Seven is definitely a much smaller, uh, game, like just, just in terms of scope, it's a very small, like personal story of survival. Um, I think what seven and eight do really well, but not actually I can't think of any entries in the franchise did is right at the beginning, they give you this sort of roll call of the people you'll be killing. Yes. (laughs) And I love games.
0: They sort of, they sort of introduce the, the baddies.
2: Yeah. And I love games that do that. That was the reason why I like, I, I love the Sly Cooper games or like all the best assassin Creed games opened with like, here's the people you'll be killing in each section. And that's I, I love that story. It's, you can look, you can look at their designs and sort of anticipate what they're about, and anticipate what their area is going to be about, and that's just fun. I, I think it's just a great B movie feel, and I think it is like both intentionally and unintentionally hilarious, while still yeah. keeping that like it doesn't go as over the top as something like Resident Evil Six. But there's yeah. still a part where you're in a a tank crafted by Chris I, Redfield to fight Magneto Nicolas Cage.
0: I compare it to like Evil Dead 2 or something. Mm. Especially like Seven. That's I think that's what I really like about Seven. Is Seven has crazy moments to it, but it still feels like informed by like a weird cinematic aesthetic language to it that like really appeals to me but still has like a very gamified elements to it especially yeah. in regards to tributing to the original resident evil and all that stuff um i think eight eight goes in weirder directions in terms of its horror influences because it's a lot more focused on like mythical influences like vampires werewolves uh mermen uh nicholas cage you know what happened you <laughs> yeah 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 there's like a bunch more crazy stuff and in a way i love how creative that is for the franchise because the franchise has you know has tr- like once in a while tried to dip its toes in but it was never it was never brave enough to go whole hog and now yeah. it went whole hog so i respect it
2: deal Mur- yeah
1: i was gonna say you you mentioned uh resident evil 6 um so does that mean that you, I know you mentioned in your beginning that you got you were done, like you've reached the conclusion of your series? Did you guys wrap up six then?
2: Well, don't don't call me out on the podcast, man. <laughs> i just but I'm I'm curious. Bro today. and I still need to complete the final campaign of six. That is true. We need
0: to do Ada. That and Ada is like a single player campaign. Yeah. Technique. Okay. So it,
2: yeah. Oh. So so that will be the true cap. But as for now, I have played. Um, print all the other games and seeing all the CG movies.
0: I don't uh, think Ada's is gonna change your opinion on any.
1: Yeah. Can Can you uh, give us then like a like a general summary of
0: your your feelings on the Resident Evil
1: series? I know you guys are, like are, you're you're talking about doing
2: something. I'm looking bigger, at this. Hold on. But no, uh, yeah,
0: we'll probably do a tier ranking. Uh, at some point, maybe this week or next week, whenever Murph's available. But yeah, go ahead, Murph.
2: Uh, no, I was just looking here. So thirty games and movies and a a four episode Netflix series in total is the in the encompassing of this Resident Evil playthrough. Um I think Resident Evil is a real curious series. And I'm still working on a general thesis statement, but I think it's like really dives into what does and doesn't work for horror.
0: Oh yeah. Especially as a game. Yeah. Like, here's, here's my feelings on why I like resident evil in, in, contrast to a silent hill and don't get me wrong i like silent hill and i like that kind of horror and like silent hill has some of these elements i'm about to say but like what i don't like is outlast i think i've said this on the cast yeah is i like a sort of agency like a little bit of agency for the player in terms of can i make mistakes and can i fight back even if even if the monster can tank all my bullets do i have a gun and can i shoot and then I have to confront the fact that it takes the bullets or whatever. Yeah. And Resident Evil sort of blends action and horror into a a very organic sense to where I feel enough agency, to where I feel immersed in the game, and I don't feel like it's inappropriate. And obviously you can complain about later halves of, the, of these games in terms of pacing, but largely speaking, these are... These become fun at that point. They they become Mm -hmm. more like goofy B movie, you know, type shit. And something like Silent Hill is much more rooted in a psychological, pure experience for horror. And Mm -hmm. those don't necessarily like translate as well in game game sense. Yeah,
2: Resident Evil is pretty much always been about external horror. And you know, in the first couple games, that horror is capitalism. You know, it's it's about the umbrella corporation, but then as it reaches into the middle section, like four onwards, it becomes about global intrigue and terrorism is the horror, which are very grand, nebulous concepts that are very difficult that the writers frankly aren't smart enough to do right. Um, it, there's a lot of terrorist organizations In Resident Evil I couldn't tell you the motivation of any of them I, I, because, wonder, I
1: wonder if something Was going on at the time That kind of informed uh, well, My working thesis
2: my, my genuine working thesis is 9-11 changed Resident Evil
1: <laughs> I, I mean I think you're right 100% Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, I think that's apparent
2: Um, Yeah And eh. I have
0: I have a question. This is for film expert David okay. mm-hmm. here. I this is a legitimate question. Did when did disaster movies die? Because there's a pattern of like mm-hmm. to me at least like disaster movies also probably started getting a little weird after 9/11. People start stop, like man of steel at the very least like when you see a, a city crumble it starts getting weird mm-hmm. like in this in this sense and then like I guess for Resident Evil, it becomes like, oh, yeah, it gets weird when we bomb an entire city. Even in Resident Evil 6, it was like, whoa, that, that's that's kind of gross. Mm.
1: Yeah, that was something that came up specifically with, like, Man of Steel or, like, Avengers or stuff. That that was something that kind of, like, was realized then at the time, you know, like, like a little bit later. Probably, like, after that in, like, what, like, 2013, 2014 or, 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 or whenever. When I was like, oh, shit, maybe that's actually, like, not cool i'm not i'm not sure if there was a real world event there that tied into it but I, I thought it was interesting that you brought up like disaster movie in terms of their death because i was just listening to a, a review being done about the the newest roland emmerich film that came out this year which totally isn't that the moon one? yeah moonfall yeah
2: that's
0: so stupid yeah <laughs> okay, yeah. Continue. yeah
1: and it Flopped really, really hard. Like, like it made like no no money off of a a pretty damn big independent budget, and uh, and I think if anything, that's you know a, a pretty big signal that the disaster movies are well and truly dead.
2: Yeah, I think I don't know where Resident Evil is gonna go from Village onward. Like, e- even I after playing the entire games, like I this is a very hard to predict franchise. It genuinely is. Um, and Maybe that's what's so cool
0: about it. Yeah, because like it it rebirths when it knows it's stagnating, it it, it g- hits the reset
2: button. Yeah, and it's like it definitely Capcom in general has had a resurgence in the last like half decade, um, and like the last couple Resident Evil games have been really good. You know, you've got remake two, remake three, uh, seven Village, and. Like, Village ends on this post-credit scene where it feels like they're sort of teetering on the brink of going back to international intrigue and stuff. And I just don't, I I don't know where it's going to go. And that's a little, it's like, it's fascinating, but also a little worrying. Like, I don't know.
0: Well, at the very least, I think it is actually it is actually really impressive that I don't think there's a single RE engine resident evil I would not recommend.
2: That's true. Yeah. I think I think each one of those of the recent years have been pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, so so you are a fan of Resident Evil. I would say
2: of, you came out a fan. I came out of this uh, a pretty sizable fan of Resident Evil. I see the appeal. I see sort of the the arc and the intent of each title. It's very interesting, and I'll get into it more when we do that uh, actual, like, Murph's tier list. But compared to, like, the last franchise I played through, Assassin's Creed. Like, I came out of Assassin's Creed being like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did that. I definitely did, okay, did that. This is
0: this is this is a question I have for you regarding Assassin's Creed. Did Assassin's Creed's franchise have any sort of trajectory beyond market trends? Um
2: Yes, but it's much more uh, how do I want to put this? There is a definite point where you can tell Assassin's Creed was the trend setter and when it became the trend chaser. Okay. You know, I think there's a definite, like, to me, Assassin's Creed is, like, the story of the game industry in, in like, a single franchise. Um, that makes sense. And I still, I still have thoughts on those games that I never, like, did anything with, so maybe we'll do a tier a video on that <laughs> as well. I don't know. I, I would love uh, that. But Resident Evil is more, it's, like, the story of franchise itself. If that makes sense, because there's a lot of Resident Evil has a lot of spin-offs, and it's a lot of trying to force a Resident Evil shaped peg into like a light gun shooter shaped hole or a cooperative multiplayer shaped hole or a, you know, an action game shaped hole. And that that's just very interesting because it's taking something horror is a very, uh, how do I want to put this? Horror is like the silly putty of genres. Does that make sense? Like, you can...
0: Because it's more aesthetic and less uh, focused on mechanics. Yes. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah,
2: yeah. Like, a lot of games have horror enemies. Like, you know, like, the undead. That's a fantasy trope.
0: Castlevania is like a yeah. horror series that is not scary. Yeah.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. And I think uh, Resident Evil... Like, this idea among fans that Resident Evil has to be scary... I don't think it does. I think it has to be horror, but I don't think it has to be scary. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. We will We will continue forward with yeah. that. Oh, but I do so,
2: want to announce uh, for the listeners, the next franchise I will be going through... Uh, I'm excited. ...is going to be Yakuza. Uh, the <laughs> classic... I know Pavlos is pumping his fist and cheering. He's very um, excited.
0: He was mad yeah. when I chose Resident yeah. Evil.
2: <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think I mentioned this. I had a friend, uh, I put it up to a poll initially, Resident Evil or Yakuza. And I had a friend who said, uh, Yakuza is one of the best series in gaming. The fact that you have made this a choice is why you're getting Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will Resident
0: begin- Evil is one of the best franchises in gaming.
2: Yeah. I stand here um, proud. So- so uh, I will be going through each Yakuza game, starting with the PS2 release of Yakuza 1. I will not be, like, just doing Kiwami. Um, and I will play... Will you
0: be playing Kiwami after the fact? Yeah,
2: so I'm going in order of release. And I will be okay. playing the spinoff games that are that have an English localization. As far as I can tell, there is only one, which is Yakuza Dead Souls, which is a Yakuza zombie survival horror
0: Oh, there we okay. go. It all
2: ties together. Uh, but yeah, that's that's only 14 games, uh, which is smaller than the 30 I did for Resident Evil. <laughs> You'll get done by the end of the year. Oh, Maybe,
0: yeah. who knows.
2: All right. Now, all right. bro, tell us about the dungeon crawler you played.
0: <laughs> okay, this is going to be two minutes. Lunacid, it's a really fun game. Um, it is by the same guy... Or girl, I actually don't know. I shouldn't have said that. Uh-oh. Please don't <laughs> murder me. Um, it's by the developer of Spooky's Jump Scare Mansion. Oh, okay. I don't know
2: if y'all played the I I haven't played it, but I know I know of it. Steam keeps recommending it to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it you know, it's really good with the algorithm. I don't know I don't know how, but that that dev's really good with the algorithm. Um, but that being said, uh Acid is a sort of like it is inspired by Kingsfield and Shadow Tower, mm. and uh, even like other stuff like Legend of Grimrock and other sort of first-person dungeon crawling stuff. But particularly Kingsfield, you can like the dev has admitted it has directly attributed to that, and um, it looks really fun. It feels really fun. um I, I I have enjoyed what I've played. It's an early access, and it's also hard and it's fun and it's enjoyable. And I. I, it reminds me
2: why I like Kingsfield more than Dark Souls. Would you recommend it to someone like a newbie to that genre? Because I I played Red Legend of Grimrock way back then, and I could not get into it.
0: I think you would. Lo- I think Murph would like this more than Legend of Grimrock.
2: Okay. Probably. Okay.
0: Um, there is more personality to this. Um, there is. There is. I mean, I don't know how much like playstation one aesthetics like appeal to you oh so, so it actually it has
2: like a ps1 look to it yes it, it yeah it, it looks
0: it looks blocky and chunky in all the good ways it doesn't look you know newer um but there's also like i i think to couple that i think a lot of mistakes other uh devs make in regards to that for uh aesthetic is is there's not a lot of color sometimes especially when they add horror elements but this game does really good stuff with color Okay. So I, I like I like that sort of thing
2: Okay, okay, yeah, I'm looking at it now Do you think for being an early access game It's worth getting now Or is it one of those like Wait until it's actually finished
0: um, There is sizable content now And uh, it, it is you, you would get hours worth by playing it now For okay. sure But there's not um, like it, a
2: feeling like They're going to add some mechanic That's going to change The like the gameplay entirely. Like, do you think? I
0: I, I don't think you will be worried by uh, its future in early access. In fact, like, I, at the very least, judging by like um, the warp points, it seems like it's like more like halfway to over halfway done. Like, hmm. the quantity of content is sizable. There's multiple hours to it. I don't remember the price point off the top, but if it was like five or ten, I would recommend it. It's to
2: it's seven dollars. So I'm I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna wish am going it. it. I'll, I'll keep an eye on this. Because I've been I've been then, liking uh, the resurgence of PS1 graphics.
0: Yeah, and um also just in terms of like I think I think that sort of dungeon crawling, king's field, uh trap door, hidden wall, monsters, be careful how you tiptoe around them is much more satisfying for me than Dark Souls. I just like it more. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it feels better. Yeah. Dark Souls got too focused on some weird, done like weird rolling shit. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas this is no iframes like, here. Yeah, there's no iframes here. It's it's your footwork. It's all about the footwork.
2: I see. I see.
0: Good old fashioned. Um, the other thing I was gonna say is very quick. I'm not done with it. I'll have a full take next episode. Is uh, Tunic is really fun. That's it.
2: I watched you play some of that. I'm very. I'm very intrigued by that game i i decided not to live
0: stream it again especially since i was like Murph probably shouldn't see more of it uh, because like the more you see the worse it probably is to play
2: okay okay
0: because you I'm, know it, it's, it's, it's a game
2: about secrets yeah you know
0: what i mean it's a game about learning so like yeah that's that's the best i could say with it
2: okay okay well we'll wait for for next time for your full take
0: Yes. Oh uh, and uh, uh after that uh, uh, oh. we can go did into you, Hey, did you guys hear any of that?
1: Well, no. Oh my god. I, I had so much to say and I added a lot to the conversation there. I was going off <laughs> a lot of your points, bro. My I think my microphone got disconnected somewhere along the way. That's
0: oh. Don't that beat all. Shit. Oh, David! I know, I know, you are the biggest fan I'm, of PlayStation uh... era first-person dungeon crawlers. I know you. Are. Okay, you know, I'm I...
2: marking him down. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna give a C here. You're, you know what? That's fair.
1: Rookie mistake. Let me save it by transitioning <laughs> us smoothly into the next topic here. Pokemon spinoff games is tangentially related to what we're talking about later here, and uh, I think we have. A- Good amount to say, there's a good amount of them, and a lot of uh interesting little quirks and and differences, you know, from the mainline series. Do you guys okay? Okay. You guys have any any particular spin off games that that you uh, especially remember, resonated with, had fondness for? I'm gonna
0: preface this now. I think, and I'm gonna go ahead and lead into this, um, with Mystery Dungeon. Spoiler alert for Mystery Dungeon, I think I liked the game a lot, however. I don't think I like Pokemon anymore. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. Bro's childhood has died. Not enough lore. (laughs) It's it's not enough lore, man. I'm just kidding. No, but, like, in terms of, like... I think I was never wowed by mainline. I think mainline Pokemon games, especially the more I played of them, I got really tired of them. So, like, even... We're gonna go into immediately... I don't know if you all considered these, but Colosseum and XD Gale of Darkness, more... Typical old fashioned RPGs with like singular storylines and specific sort of balancing. I liked those in a very like different way than I did the normal uh, Pokemon games. The the
1: Colosseum games uh, to me always felt like what like kind of like a precursor for what Pokemon on a console could be. Um, you know, it was more than just something you could import your, you know, Pokemon into and battle on the television screen instead of on your small Game Boys 4. Uh, you know, they had these fully fleshed out stories uh, with all these new interesting characters. There was a darker edge to uh, some of them as well. You know, that was... There was a
2: whole gale of darkness. Yeah,
1: yeah, gale you could certainly <laughs> see. And and that was a really interesting element. They they created it new mechanics. made you XD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They they had these new interesting mechanics with the the shadow Pokemon and such and just you know way more you could do and they also had mini games they had some pretty memorable mini games that came with them uh, which was something I was going to mention but yeah just uh, they were definitely I think a, a an evolution of what the main series could have been I I will agree to you with you to an extent bro like if you wanted to look at the the mainline series in an objective way they're not necessarily Great games, but the thing that was always appealing, at least for me, uh, and I know it, it differs from person to person, what elements of Pokemon resonate and kind of make it everlasting, is the the, the idea of the worlds, just the idea of the, the collecting of the pocket monsters, uh, the the creativity of their designs, and and, and again the, the the worlds themselves, the actual regions. Uh, so well- the games that fared better. Were stronger in those departments, you know narratively, mechanically, and such that those were lesser priorities to, to me certainly.
0: Well I mean I think that's when we talk about these spin-off games. these are utilize the world and aesthetic and designs which are inspired almost no matter what. And then because they are spin-offs, someone had to think in, enough about it to care about it and make it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, these feel much more just generally, like, even if it's a puzzle game, even if it's, like, Pokemon Troze or something, I I usually,
2: like, feel way better about it. So, when you say you're, like, you're tired of Pokemon, do you think it's Pokemon the franchise or Pokemon the aesthetic, I guess?
0: Um, I don't know how much this is gonna blend into Mystery Dungeon. Okay. Um, I will. I, I will I... say now. I think. I think I no longer care about the designs. I I I now see these creatures, and I just like. My mind glows over. They look like Chin Pokemon to me now. Oh okay. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they look like Digimon now. Like it's bad. So is oh. it
1: so so is it then like a, a recent thing you're saying, like design wise? Because I I can certainly agree. Uh, no, no, like okay. I like I, feel... I look
0: at my my childhood, the original one fifty one I grew up on, and I like look at them as if they are abominations. Oh, wow. wow, I
2: you're like a you're like a reverse gen one I don't think I've ever heard that take before. I know that's it's
0: bad. Tr- no. And I mean I think that's the case for all of them, but like just to be clear, I think even I, the gen one is bad. I now. think this is I, your,
2: I think this is your take, uh all all no. movies are seven out of ten bleeding <laughs> into other facets of your life.
0: It's it's getting bad. I think I think this is a very existential like dilemma for me that we could tackle later on in this. Let's keep let's keep on spin offs for right well, okay. now. What I like is goofy shit like hey you pikachu and pokemon channel which also utilized the world and the player's relationship to creatures and pokemon in sort of a way that doesn't necessarily gamify everything it's more of a lifestyle thing i think something could have been done better with like i think an animal crossing pokemon would be fucking sick but you know
2: yeah i think um now is Hey You Pikachu an actual good game or is it just <laughs> no, a gimmick? No. <laughs> okay. It's a gimmick. It's entirely gimmick. Yeah. Uh, does the gimmick work? No. <laughs> okay. David, you're an avowed Pokemon Snap maniac.
1: I, I am. Um. And what was it? it was last year we we finally got our our long awaited sequel like what twenty years later from the original Snap. Yeah. The the original snap has has burrowed itself into the nostalgic subconscious of of so many of us, I think, you know, who grew up playing the game on on our N64s or or later when when we got to purchase it on the the Wii, the Wii Shop.
2: Yeah. To me, Snap is sort of like what I was talking about earlier, like Pokemon the franchise versus the aesthetic. Pokemon Snap seems to be strictly the aesthetic of Pokemon.
0: I I think it is literally like you observing the world. It is pure world, and you are the spectator to the world.
1: Yeah. What what Snap did, certainly for for me, uh, was it kind of brought to life the truths of all of the things that we imagine. You know about Pokemon, like what the creatures inhabiting their habitats act like. You know how it would function yeah. in a, in a world, and seeing that, I think, was something really magical that the first Napa did really, really, really well. Um, you know, particularly in the way you see, in the way you see different Pokemon interacting with each other, and there was a lot of fun ways that they made it so that you could create those scenarios to happen. You know, I think everyone will remember knocking the Charmeleon into the lava and seeing a Charizard burst out, you know, or, uh, you know, leading someone along, you know, another one along with the apples to to meet up with another Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and seeing all that and all the different environments and, you know, this idea of capturing Pokemon still, but in a different way, you know, you're still catching them all, but through photographs instead of, you know, tiny prisons, basically. Yeah,
2: it's like Fatal Frame. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and the first game was just such a, a kind of like, like effortless encapsulation of all of those things that everyone kind of imagined and projected onto Pokemon that it's no wonder that it really, you know, persisted and lived on for so long. Uh, and, and I'm kind of sad to see that, new snap isn't enduring in that same way it's it's pretty forgotten i think
2: already Do you think it's the price point (sighs) maybe i don't think so i'm gonna be honest i don't yeah i but even then because that's the reason i haven't played it
1: uh i i think it's definitely worth the price point it's definitely worth the, the the full game price point it is a full game it's a bigger game than the original snap was for sure it's, you know, uh, expanded in, in every kind of sense in terms of, you know, bringing all these new Pokemon in, you know, these further stuff. They have additional updates that they did to the game as well. Uh, and and it's still, I think, just as wonderful. It's just like a a, a modern version of the same kind of game with all the, the the new Pokemon and better graphics. You know, it's even more beautiful looking. Um there's like a couple of things that i i might miss like they the original had those like environments that were shaped like pokemon when you got at a certain angle they don't have that anymore which I, I think it's it was kind of a big mistake to to leave out but otherwise it you know from a technical level it's just a superior pokemon snap but i perhaps it's that lack of originality that lack of something new that makes it not not as enduring that 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 doesn't create that same sense of awe that the original snap did there's
0: something there's something to be said for culture and time and place in terms of like we have seen pokemon in 3d environments now many times now and like that that wonder is now gone for a lot of people and especially in terms of like pokemonia quote unquote like i don't know how it is now i'm guessing young people still love pokemon to death but there's probably it's probably more competitive in terms of what wonder can be and pokemon snap uh probably doesn't offer uh similar appeals as it used to
2: um i'm sure it's still really good so you know mm-hmm. it is it's yeah. it's fantastic but no one's no one's going to burger king to print out their stickers now yes <laughs> that would be the way to say
0: it
1: the, I, and i think there's also something demonstrative there as well and that the the time in which these came out and the the greater novelty uh that connections with the the first one had that you could do there that just don't translate here although you you do get to you you can save the pictures just to your switch you know which is really nice to go through when you get yeah great and so so that feature is still kept in some way you know a, a better way even you know but yeah it just it hasn't you know, persisted as as the first game did and still does. Even for myself, you know, like I I played, I spent my time with New Snap and I haven't felt inclined to return to it like I have for the original. But I still have, you know, these really great fond memories of of the different areas we passed through or certain Pokemon I I, I captured in a a particularly striking way and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm just not quite as strongly and i and I don't think it's just the, the the nostalgia bump I think there is some essential element uh of pokemon snap that just isn't quite in the new one like it's still there but just not quite as refined not not the kind of perfect simplicity that the first one has but they're both great spin-off games uh and I, I would highly recommend both absolutely as as kind of paragons of what pokemon can be outside of the, you know, initial entries.
0: Okay. okay, to speak of the best outside of what pokemon can be, did anyone of you pokemon masters play poken tournament? Yes. I did. Yes, yes. I did play good. it, yeah. <laughs>
2: I I enjoy poken tournament quite a bit. How is it as a fighting game? As a fighting game, it's it's like kind of deceptively complex. I came at it thinking it was Tekken, but it's not. It's closer to It's not. I was about to say it was I was about to say Marvel Versus, but it's not that either because it's not a combo game. Sure. It, what is it? So it's like, an, in terms of the game. Meta. It's a 3D arena fighter and the big gimmick is that you have um i think it's like field m- mode and versus mode or something like that it's it's basically you've got um you've got long range combat and then you got like the close range like punchy combat and you, there are certain moves that can switch it up so if you're playing a uh, a machamp you always want to be in the versus mode you always want to be dealing melee combos but if you're playing a um Pokemon like Pikachu you want to be in the field mode where you're running around zapping your opponent opponent at long range
0: I see and then, so it sort of has a different like in terms of approach and close quarters versus uh zoning those are fundamentally different. yeah but ways.
2: you're actually you're actively changing up when you can zone and when you can combo and that's okay, like th- that's like the big appeal. So if you if you're playing a champ and you're up against a Pikachu and Pikachu's just hitting you with lightning bolts, you want to try at your darndest to get in close to hit him with the move that changes it to the um, the close combat uh, mode. And then if you're I Pikachu, see. you want to be trying to set up the combo for the move that allows you to switch it back to field mode. And then you've also I got see. assists that come in and do all sorts of wacky stuff like set up barriers or distract the opponent it's a yeah it's fun to watch at tournaments and i think the roster is very uh diverse um i would have the loved dream. to dream yeah i would have loved to have seen a sequel but i don't think it's gonna happen yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i get it there's uh, there are so many pokemon spinoffs yeah. all right we're gonna go um, down a list and,
2: go ahead I-, I was gonna bring up Pokemon Ranger. On the DS. Okay, tell me about Ranger. What is Ranger? So Ranger is sort of like a puzzle game. A bit. It's more like a it's more more like an adventure game um, in Pokemon. So what it, it the Pokemon Rangers are people who go, um uh, this may sound of like a familiar premise. They are the people that go into disasters and rescue people.
0: Okay, alright. Like a rescue team theoretically. Yeah.
2: Sure. But they do it, um, they don't actually catch Pokemon. What they do is I forget the exact term, but they like they befriend wild Pokemon uh, to help them out. So it's like you'll see, you'll come across like uh, a burning log. So you need to go find a water Pokemon that you can befriend that will put out the water. And stuff like that. So every time you enter an area, you'll be like okay, I need a Pokemon that can dig. I need a Pokemon that can fly um, to solve these problems that I will encounter. And um, That's sh- That was always just a real fun mechanic because, again, it's like you're taking part in the world of Pokemon, not the mechanics of Pokemon, if that makes sense. It's not about the JRPG turn-based battling. You're actually feeling like these are wild creatures. Um, what a lot of people remember Pokemon Ranger for is breaking the shit out of their DS. Because <laughs> the way that you befriend the Pokemon is that you circle around them really fast um with your ds and the faster you circle the faster you fill their friendship bar and if they hit your stylus with like an attack then it resets the bar so you can tell who played pokemon ranger as a kid because there will just be circles dented into their touch screen oh wow um but i that sounds familiar i always wanted a pokemon ranger in like 3d like, that's why I kind of wished Arceus was going to be when they said that, oh, it's Breath of the Wild meets Pokemon. I was like, oh, it's Pokemon Ranger. Like, that's such a good, I feel like, mechanic for doing a game where you can just kind of walk around and vibe out with wild Pokemon. Were
0: you disappointed by Arceus?
2: I have not played Arceus. I'm just saying I, when I saw okay, the initial, I, I was just curious. No, no, no. It no. sounded
0: like there's a tone of, like, no. Arceus is secretly I'll, awful. I'll wait no, no, I, no.
2: It, it's a matter of I... I want a new Pokemon Ranger game and I I kind of wish Arceus was that because everything on paper about Arceus reads to me like it could have been a Pokemon Ranger game.
0: If only, if only. Yeah. I would
1: I would recommend checking out Arceus though. Um I I would say it was impressive uh, particularly given, you know, what I was expecting, you know, for from the leaks that we had just a little bit, you know, before. Uh and and it's a really you know, I think, innovative new steps for the series. It, and it's sounding like so, the new game coming out at the end of the year, Scarlet and Violet, is going to be similar in terms of, you know, the, like using Arceus as the building blocks. For that's the, what I was going to ask.
2: Ride. Does Arceus count as a spin off or do you feel it's a new direction for the series?
1: My understanding is that it's a new direction. It's a, it's another entry in, you know in terms of this the main series there is how it's categorized it's not listed when you go to, like the Bulbapedia website it's not listed under the spin-off games side so mm. by according to everyone it's a it's a main series title even though it is radically different um not not even just in terms of the approach of the world but gameplay battle systems uh, even just, like, like stats, you know, for the Pokemon, like, like how the stats are done. It's just, it's totally yeah. different, totally new approach to, to the series. Hmm.
2: Okay. Okay. All did, right. Did either of you play Pokemon Conquest? Yes, and I was waiting to bring okay. it up. Okay, I have, I, I have not played it, but this, the premise of this game has, like, haunted my dreams. This is the <laughs>
0: Nobunaga's Ambition game. Yes. Yes, yes. I
2: have... Like, even, I, like, read reviews, I watched gameplay videos, I don't understand what this game is.
1: It's it's a uh, it's a strategy RPG. It's, it's a technical RPG with Pokemon. Um, so it's
2: th- like Fire Emblem? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a lot like Fire Emblem. is, is basically how I would it. I would say it's like it's a Pokemon version of, of Fire Emblem. Uh, obviously, you know, it, it has a lot, you know, in common with the Novinaga so... series, which... We don't know too much about as as you know Americans. This is like I, I don't believe it's a series. It's I either even okay or even distributed over here. I have no idea. This was my introduction to it entirely. Like you know I but and it's not even labeled there. So you know it's called Pokemon Conquest is so uh,
2: okay okay but
1: but it was something I played on release. I was super down for and had a lot of fun with um. It's been a long time since I've played it, but I still own my copy. I've pitched it as as a daydream cast option in the past, and huh. uh we'll reiterate here that I would definitely do a Pokemon Conquest episode sometime. Uh because I, don't I think know. it's it's really It's gonna
0: be Hang Your Pikachu next, man. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Conquest is is interesting and novel and fun, and most people probably don't know about it and uh do you and...
2: think it it deserves a sequel or is it just like should remain as an interesting artifact
1: i think it should remain as an interesting artifact but i think another pokemon tactical rpg is definitely in the cards i think that you could definitely do that but in terms of like another crossover with nobunaga's ambition i, I don't think that's necessary
2: <laughs> okay um now, what about the game that briefly brought us world peace? What about Pokemon Go? <laughs> I'm,
1: I, I was also gonna bring this one up. Uh, again, like all, all, Pokemon Go is still going. I know people who yeah. still play it, but I dipped out
2: very early. I dipped out after. I, I never dipped in.
0: <laughs> I, I knew. I literally, I'm not kidding you. The, the biggest Pokemon Go fan I know, 100 percent to the bone, loves Pokemon Go is like a 54 year old woman with kids and a full time job. <laughs> That's one You know what That's I mean like I love that. Like it is it is it is so different in terms of things but I can understand I... how much more viscerally appealing it is for normal people.
2: I remember when Pokemon Go was first announced and there were people that like started going off into la la land about what they thought this game was going to be. Like, I saw people doing, like, oh, remember when you're out playing Pokemon Go, bring yourself a backpack full of snacks so you're not, you know, when you're out <laughs> walking around and hiking and looking for Pokemon. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be great if people set up their own gyms, like the best steel-type player in the world runs a cafe in France, and shit like that. And it's like, the entire time I was thinking, it's a mobile game. I don't think they're just, <laughs> sh- like, like it doesn't have any of the mechanics of Pokemon that I find appealing. It's literally just about catching.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. So then I asked you, Murph, what is the most appealing thing about Pokemon? Is it the world? Is it the aesthetics? Is it the franchise?
2: I think it's the world. I think Pokemon is like when when I get asked like what what fantasy world, what fictional world would you want to get transported into? I always think Pokemon. Or Yu Gi Oh. Uh because to me they are they are just more idealized versions of our own world with the added benefit of I know strategy so I can I, I'll be a god there.
1: I see. I I see. Yeah Look,
2: Pokemon I... Pokemon they have free health care. They have little <laughs> they have state mandated pets. Uh all you need to be do is be good at Pokemon battling to exist.
1: I would, I would kind of be interested to see a Pokemon game or a show or anything, any piece of media, even just like a one-off magazine, about the guy who lives in a world of Pokemon who has nothing to do with him. He's just a regular schmo. He does his 9-to-5 job. and he's, nah. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't have any interest in Pokemon or battling or, care or using uh. them to help. He, he's got some mundane office job. You know, like, Mm -hmm. they don't even use him for manual labor or anything, and there's just all of this Pokemon craziness going on outside of him, particularly the world-ending stuff that seems to always be happening when these god-tier Pokemon come about and just start messing with things.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but those god-tier Pokemon, all you need to do is play their type advantage, and you win. (laughs) (laughs) Like...
1: Yep. Yeah. You, You just gotta know.
2: Yeah, I would. Uh, That's to me. To me, like the actual like Pokemon mainline games, uh, I'm not like wildly hot on the mechanics because they've always been well easy to me. Um, but I, I believe I said in my very first Daydream cast appearance that I like games where I can sort of write a narrative in my head as I am playing them, and Pokemon has always been a great outlet for that. I, I am the person that plays Pokemon, and I am writing my own anime episodes in my brain as i'm playing it
1: i i I totally agree and i think the 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 curating of a of a team then and the encountering and and collection of a team that you get helps bolster that that imagination that that idea and thus you form like this this connection with the various pokemon you know and again it it flushes out their their character and and personality and i think the 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 design then is that next important component that comes with Pokemon because that's going to inform how you feel about them, you know? Yeah. As, and I as think members.
2: the best to me, the best Pokemon spinoffs, bringing it full circle, uh, lean into that angle. Like I was talking about with Ranger Rangers game where you can imagine the story as you're doing it, or uh, you know, like you guys were talking with Colosseum or Arceus, I think mm-hmm. anything that leans into this vibe of, uh, being on an adventure, I think, does the series well. And I think just things that are like slap a Pokemon sticker on it um, don't, in my mind. <laughs> like Pokemon Go, that's what Pokemon Go is to me. Like Pokemon Go has no story element, so I don't engage with it.
0: Well, with with that, I, I have a question for you, David. Yeah. How would you feel, and how do you feel about the idea of a Shin Megami Tensei Pokemon crossover?
2: Um, Is there a spinoff I don't know about? <laughs>
0: no, Shin Megami Tensei has crossed over with Fire Emblem before with Tokyo Mirage. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I
2: think that. Was, I'm
0: asking. I'm asking. How would you feel about that if it existed? I don't know. Um, because tonally they
1: seem so at odds with each other. Like just, just completely different worlds. Yeah, you know, I can't and, picture and a ideas.
2: Venomoth saying, "Is this the bastard with too many friends?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, well, you know.
1: E- even though, like, uh, on, a, on a base level they have a lot of similarities as a series in terms of this kind of, like, you know, collecting of of Pokemon or Demon, you know, and, and building, like, like, a team and strengthening and evolution as a major component of both as well. But uh, especially as RPGs, they're they're also very functionally different. Battle systems are, are entirely different and uh, narratively just completely different worlds, completely different spheres. So I, I think I would be kind of averse. I think I would be kind of, like, put off by it by that notion they would have to i i think the only way to do it is to like like water down or twist the tone of the the smt series considerably I, I, I mean
0: i think they would i mean they ultimately did you play tokyo mirage sessions i didn't i did not okay like tokyo mirage sessions definitely went for a very unique take on on that blend so i, I part of me would have been open to it if they went like that route but that being said, I totally understand what you well, mean, especially in terms of, like, the adult content and adult designs.
2: Wouldn't of, the uh, uh, appropriate thing to say be more, like, Pokemon crossed with Persona? Yeah, that's, that
1: was going to be my suggestion. Like, if I saw it working at all, that would probably be the realm where it would happen. But but even then, I, it's I still... I just want
0: to dump Persona. Persona's done, Merv. I'm just kidding.
1: No, you're no. right. It, even, even then, it does seem odd i can't i can't imagine an
0: anime a high school sim with pokemon would be fun yeah Yeah, i think i think there are
2: untapped avenues to put pokemon into like i think detective pikachu was like a real uh did either of you play the actual detective pikachu game no uh, it's it's basically kind of like a Professor Layton or an Ace Attorney, but yeah. with Pokemon. That's what it looks like. Okay. So you have you have your human character that interrogates humans, and then you've got Detective Pikachu who interrogates Pokemon.
0: Mm, okay. Wow. okay. Exciting. With, with this ant- Pokemon personalities concept, we will we will. It's it's time to get into the game of the week. Yeah. All. Yeah right final 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 things any objections no no no. no, i think i think that's a very good point the
1: personalities is is something that is very forward very focused on in the first pokemon mystery dungeon games
0: there you go david you got it out of your system we transition now it is time for our game of the week our game of the week is pokemon mystery dungeon blue rescue team or red rescue team or rescue team dx for the game boy Advance, nintendo ds and nintendo switch starting in the year 2005 and the remake in 2020 this is developed by chunsoft and pop quiz i mentioned it did anyone look it up chunsoft is this is the first developer on the daydream cast I believe that has had two episodes? I'm pretty sure.
2: Uh, does they... anyone know what the first episode was? Leisure suit, Larry.
0: Ooh, you tried. Ah. The answer was Portopia serial murder case. Oh, this was, I yeah, wasn't going to get that. <laughs> yeah. Ch- Chunsoft developed that. And then the uh, first few dragon quest games. Oh. So this is actually like a, a really storied company. This is a big deal company. I didn't know in terms that. Of artistic huh. merit. Yeah. Um, this game is a roguelike, and when I say that, I mean that in the truest terms. No sort of weird indie genre blending here. It is pure tile-based, randomly generated dungeon crawling. You take a quiz at the start to determine your Pokemon. You choose your partner Pokemon to complement you, and then you go on a wild adventure. You're a human that has been turned into a Pokemon. You and your partner create a rescue team as there are a lot of natural disasters starting around and leaving a lot of Pokemon vulnerable and in need of rescuing. Many twists and turns happen, and a whole lot of dungeon floors. So, everybody,
2: what was your experience with Pokemon Mystery Dungeon? Well, I'm the one who actually played this game before. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Contrary to what David led me to believe when we signed him on to this, I... I was hornswoggled, I was <laughs> meckledorfed by Mr. Punch here cuz we were putting out what games we were thinking about for episodes. And David was like, "Oh, oh, sign me up for uh Pokémon Mystery Dungeon." I'll play the I'll play the remake so we can compare it. And I I took that to mean he played the original games so he would recognize the differences between them and the remake. However, I come to find not only has he not played it, but there are a lot of differences between the original and the remake in gameplay terms.
1: There there certainly are. There are a lot of differences, as I'm finding out through the research here. And uh, yeah, I, I had not played the original Mystery Dungeon games. They somehow passed over me. But as the, the resident Pokemon guy, the guy who, who really likes Pokemon, uh, I, was, I was down to, to give it a go and weigh in and just lend general Pokemon expertise to... Mm -hmm. This discussion.
2: Yes. So did you have any, like, even, like, a passing interest in Mystery Dungeon? Like, did you know of them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just that my library of games was always fairly limited, like, my my accessibility, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. growing up. So it was just hard to get. So even someone who was a dedicated Pokemon fan who did buy all of the, you know, main series games, who played Pokemon Conquest, even... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, just somehow this didn't come up either. It was like a timing issue, like when it came out versus when it came across my radar or, you know, uh, just didn't have the money to, or I guess the interest. I did play a lot of the others. I played Ranger, like, like you talked about as well, but this one just didn't. And, and same as the case with subsequent, uh, rescue team games. I just didn't get to them.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I played this on release, the little, little, little baby, little baby Murph. Um, mm-hmm. and I I love the the original Rescue Team is very dear to my heart. Um it's one of my favorite games of the GBA. Um and I have since I I played that sucker maybe 3 times and then in mo- recent years uh when I when I got into emulation the one of the first games I played was Mystery Dungeon again.
1: Uh, uh did you did you play Blue that time cuz th- th- that's kind of yeah. odd thing is that they the version exclusive, which again is a, a Pokemon staple, r- released at the same time, but on different systems.
2: Yeah. I think it was just because that was like right when the DS was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um so they just wanted to hedge their bets. You yeah. Know, put, I, put it out for both. They're they're fairly identical. There's only like I think only yeah. like three version exclusive Pokemon, and it's ones I don't miss.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's again like it's the the opposing ones, like oh, a plusle or a Minin. you know, like the, yeah. the 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 lame version exclusive ones, where they're just basically a recolor of the other one, and yeah. they have no nominal differences otherwise. And you would never use them to begin with because they're shit Pokemon.
2: Yeah. So I am as like the the, the quote unquote expert on this game. I'm more curious about what you what you virgins felt about it. Is this my yeah yeah? yeah. I you you go, go you oh, oh, try no. this, bro, you're... I,
1: I played the I played the remake, so I'll, I'll come in with that
0: afterwards. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, first off, I, I I knew about this game, and I had a passing interest in this game. This was on the list of I should play this one day uh, games. <laughs> and um, how big is that my list? Expe- <laughs> yeah, and and my experience with this game is this might be my favorite Pokemon game. Ho oh, ho ho! however. Oh. however I don't think I like Pokemon very much anymore. Right. So, so there is, there is but a, a two-way street here. You like dungeon I, I crawlers? Particu- yes, I, I particularly like the mechanics and gameplay. I, I enjoy all of that, and I also will say, in terms of story, mm-hmm. I think this goes long ways into making me care about characters and even if it's like a very kid like oh it's all about friendship like i i dug it it all worked for me it was it felt fresh felt exciting um i just i just it just started hitting me especially when you have to grind and especially when you have to like just consistently confront because this game was a little hard at points i had to i had to grind quite a bit um i i just had to confront this reality as i kept going and going i don't think i like
2: pokemon anymore yeah the the designs are no longer aesthetically pleasing
0: yeah and i mean i definitely like a long parts of it maybe it's the fact that i played as Machoke.
2: yeah so that is that's something i'm curious (laughs) what were your what were your personality slash partner pairings
0: i i i i did i basically would do i kept machoke and squirtle obviously and then i would basically i would use the expendables as shields and i, and I would try <laughs> to match them to dungeons or if like i got absol because you get absol at mm-hmm. one point yeah i would just fucking oh guess what absol's getting all the damage baby that's that is how i went about it yeah i, I yeah. I tried to stay far behind unless I had to. I
1: I asked you guys at one point cuz I wasn't sure of playing. I was like, do you guys like swap through different Pokémon to build a team cuz you only get oh, yeah. three Pokémon you can bring into a dungeon. You can recruit some in there, but like as far as like a core team, you bring in each time. You only get 3. And obviously, and for every story mission, you can only you, you got to bring your your two mains at least at the very least. This,
2: this made me so mad when you said <laughs> this. This yeah. this Boiled my piss i'm gonna tell you
1: <laughs> yeah so this is where things are gonna start to anger you because there's, there's gonna be a lot of things that come up with differences for instance bro said he had to grind a lot and uh i was very confused when you said that because i did not i did zero grinding i almost exclusively played the story
0: missions and then just got to the end and i was fine um, to be fair to be fair a lot of grinding is supplemented by the side quests yeah yeah thank god the the so only... like you could go you could pick the side jobs and the side jobs are ultimately you playing through older dungeons again and sort of gives you an excuse for grinding which is brilliant awesome love it the um yeah. I'll, I'll say the only time that i lost that
1: I, that i like blacked out in this game was early on when i like first encountered a a shop in one of the dungeons, a kekleon shop. Oh
2: my god! And... You stole from the kekleons. <laughs>
1: well, let, let me explain what happened because I like I was like, oh look at this stuff. And I was like, mm, you know, I I kind of just I grabbed the stuff and I wanted. I was like, okay, can I let me pay for this? And I and I didn't have enough money. And I was like, oh well, uh, how do I get rid of this? And it was like, I, I don't want to individually just drop it all. Can I just like try and leave? And you'll just like tell like like i tell, see like take take it out of my inventory say oh you can't pay for this and then he just like he he, he screams at me that i that i'm stealing and then like a <laughs> horde of other cyclopians descend and just decimate
0: me <laughs> okay
2: like, I, that's, i'm trying to that's very funny. trying to get away and, so I'm, I'm actually surprised so what were you? You you got Bulbasaur. What was your partner?
1: I picked uh, Totodile as mine because Totodile uh, is my he would he would have been my starter that I would choose. My that's that's my favorite starter Pokemon. So I, I picked him as a compliment because uh, I I just decided to stick with Bulbasaur because I'm okay. like, yeah that's that's uh, that's what it, it said. That's what the survey says I am, and I guess that's okay.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm actually very surprised you had an easy time then because this game is not very forgiving if you start with a grass type. Uh, particularly in the campaign um I, the I starting
0: think, areas are mostly grass at first I think I, was well,
2: very, then, I think I was
1: very smart to pick a water type as my second that That's helped. true That um, helped fix Particularly when you get to the the fire dungeons and stuff So yeah. those being more of a threat Yeah, it was easier than to just switch over to Toted Island And have him take care of stuff
2: So I, um, when I pl- played this for the very first time um, I took the quiz and I got Torchic Mm-hmm. Uh, which I found abhorrent. Uh, <laughs> I did not... Look, I love Blaziken, I, uh, but the notion of, like, being a Torchic mm-hmm. was, is, uh, I want hands. <laughs> you know, Deeply
0: offensive.
2: And I've, uh, you know, it's like that thing I said, I'm, I'm animating it in my brain as I'm playing. I can't animate a Torchic, like interacting with things <laughs> did
1: you did you just like reset the
2: game then yeah yeah i fudged the i fudged the yeah. quiz so i could get so i could get a uh, trico which i did
0: not fudge the quiz this artistic integrity is compromised i'm sorry Continue.
2: yeah to get trico which because of the anime was my my favorite starter of gen 3 mm-hmm. um and i didn't i didn't i always pick fire starters that's just my my thing so i didn't even when i played emerald i didn't pick uh trico um, but I did Trico, and it's very difficult for me to remember. I think my partner I made a Syndiquil, but I honestly can't remember because again played this like three times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've drawn like most of the different types. To me, the most fun starters are like Cubone or Machop. Yeah, um,
1: the 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 non starter starters basically. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, and I understand the remake lets you pick non starters as your partner. That's not a thing in the original
1: the only hang the, the only requirement was that it couldn't be the same type like i, I okay. couldn't pick another grass type you know yeah uh, and if you picked a normal type you, you couldn't pick one of the other normal types that they had or whatever
2: okay no that's pretty staple of the recent mystery dungeons um i lost David, my I have a question for you yeah.
0: yeah i have a question the the two the two newbies ask questions and compare notes to each other now um when you when you say you didn't have a bad time during this or you had an easy time doing this did you feel like you had to utilize some of the extra mechanics specifically the linking moves or the um items like that do like when you throw the rocks that do base damage yeah, yeah
1: the graveler rocks did, uh,
0: did you do those a lot yeah
1: i i used those okay. i i definitely i definitely linked because man that seems like just a great mechanic in general for the series you mean that i can yeah set up sunlight and use solar beam on the same turn. That's mm. busted as fuck. You, you yeah. mean I can lower the opponent's defenses and hit them with a, you know, huge power attack at the same time. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That, that's going to help you mow through dungeons real easy.
2: Yeah. Well, particularly because the game is kind of like, I describe it as it's your bullshit against their bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, like well that, for the very first time I was playing the game as Trico, you get up to the Moltres boss And obviously, I'm Grass type. My partner's Fire, so we have a bad time with that. Mm -hmm. However, in Mystery Dungeon, a lot of like moves from the main series have different properties. And what Trico can learn is Pursuit, which in the Mystery Dungeon games is basically uh reflect damage. The like you just turn on a mirror, and everything the enemy hits you with bounces back. Uh, And then I taught. That's
1: interesting. That's like radically different from what it does in the main games like so some tweaks make sense but like and obviously they can't make it like a oh you you hit escaping pokemon on their way out that's what it does in the the main games like that 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 doesn't work here but that seems like not at all like what you would usually do
2: so then i also uh found the tm for endure and Mm -hmm. endure lasts a few turns um in this So, I would set up Endura, I'd activate Pursuit, <laughs> Moltres would hit me with a fire attack, it would bounce back, and I wouldn't die. And then it would continue targeting me, but I wouldn't die, so everything was bouncing back to Moltres, and that's how I eventually won that boss.
1: That, make, that makes sense. It, I think I also just got really lucky, because in one dungeon, fairly early on, I found the TM for both Sunny Day and Solar Beam, mm-hmm. and I, just, I taught that shit straight to Bulbasaur and had him no growth as well. Which yeah. would double his attack in, in the in the sunlight, and uh, I just mowed through enemies there. And you that also had a
2: far that. you had a far easier time because in the remake when, like in the original when you or your partner falls, that's game over. In the well, remake, well, it I is was not... about to
0: ask, Th- does that can include? I, can, I, can I stop? What what does the friend male do? Friend? Like. Like what, oh like the friend when I die mail or when I fell yeah. there was like friend codes or whatever yeah, that, yeah. so that's what like, is the deal with that that's uh, a feature
1: where you can like have a a, a team of, a, of like a friends
2: come so and you could have you, you could have taken that code and told me it and I would plug that in my game and I would get a mission to rescue you and once I had done that I would get the um the AOK mail. And I would tell you that code. You'd put that into your game, and you would start from where you left off.
0: Oh, wow. That's so cute.
2: That's, yeah. that's so
0: cute. That's a yeah. feature that
1: exists in the remake here as well that you can do online. Uh, I, I don't know if it's code-based or not. I did not get a chance to try it with anyone because yeah. th- there, great... there are a few people who are willing to pay $60 for a remake of a GBA game.
2: <laughs> it's a great little mechanic. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't know anyone else that played this game as a kid. So it largely went unused for me um but fortunately in modern times someone's made a program that takes the um the rescue mail code and spits out an AOK code for you so you can just keep on rolling
0: <laughs> who needs friends when you have Alvin?
2: science
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: right. uh, so when you say that though when you say that a a main party member falls one of the main two does that mean like Including, like, if you have revive items, like, you can't use those?
2: Um, no, no, no. If you have a revive seed, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you'll, you'll, okay. they, it will, it will bounce back, but obviously you can't control but, who, who gets it, but, yeah, if it's, like, a, a KO-KO on you, you, you or your partner, that's, that's it, game over.
1: You can't control who gets a revive seed? Like, they just automatically use them?
2: Yeah, like, if you have, like, a third member who's not you or your partner, they'll just, use, uh, They'll use the revive seed. Oh, if yeah. They that's, fall.
1: that's not. That's not in the remake.
2: Oh well, de fucking da. You, you can turn that
1: down, which I did a number of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't need this Paris uh taking up my revive seed. I will save that. <laughs> you can go away.
0: Let's talk about the story, y'all. <laughs> um, let's get let's get out of this. This is
2: the gra- upsetting. The greatest <laughs> emotional journey of the GBA era. Is it? Oh, this, this story makes me feel things like, man, like, you know, boys cry when Aerith dies. Men cry life's tears when the male Pelipper shows up to wish you good luck on your, on your exile.
0: <laughs> I, I think I, I was going to say the exile and sort of like when I, okay, I guess should we, should we like give
2: context? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah yeah All right. So your existence is a crime. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
0: So again, you are a human turned Pokemon. You create a rescue team with your partner and you go into town often to talk with different NPCs and there's other opponent mystery teams. Largely, it's the Gengar team, which is a little mischievous and evil. And then there's an Alakazam team, which are like the big vets, the the big dick swingers around town. Um, And at a certain point in the game, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's, I, I, I don't even remember if it's like halfway or just it's, like, a, it's when things start getting real, I would say, yeah. um, is basically you're part of a legend and they're like, oh my God, the human turned Pokemon, we must kill him. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, I don't know about this. And Alakazam's like, you must leave now or else you will die like now. Yeah. So then you go on like a multiple dungeon, uh, romp to sort of escape that and talk to the Ninetales to sort of clear everything up. But that sort of exile chase, fugitive arc was for sure the most interesting part of the game.
2: That's like, that's such a tone change when it happens. Cause you just walk into town not knowing what's going on and it has like this real, it like does a pan over of all the empty shops because everyone's gathered in the town square to hear Gengar uh, basically reveal that your existence is causing disasters to happen mm-hmm. um i looked up the cutscene differences in the dx remake um i'm sorry david you missed out because in the dx remake you like your guys immediately flee in the original like the townspeople take swipes at you oh shit! like, like lombre t- takes his chance <laughs> and tries Yo. to take you out and he shouts forgive me <laughs> And then okay. you've got to run away. And then Alakazam and his team try to take you out. And Alakazam's like, no, no, no. This is not the way. Listen, everyone is going to be coming out to kill you. Mm-hmm. You've got one day to prepare and leave. This
0: is its the John Wick scene at the end of John Wick 2. It is. Yeah. it you're is. you're excommunicado. And you, have and like, to, you, have tw- you have, like, two hours or one hour to, yeah. to get the fuck out. It's yeah. intense.
1: It's, it's an intense turn because everything is pretty, like, wholesome up until then like you and your buddy are like oh you're you're coming together and you're making a team you're gonna go and save some pokemon and it's all very like kind of innocuous stuff you know there's a guy stuck in a cave you gotta go you know you gotta reunite reunite a canopie with his his butterfree you know
2: yeah uh, mama
1: yeah and and it's all very like like wholesome you know like you know kid-friendly stuff and then it's like world-ending kind of like disaster stuff and like you know mutiny against you and like literally fleeing through like scorched fields and icy mountains and you know all yes yeah. and, and fighting these in insane pokemon like the the first time when you had to deal like like when when you came to zapdos at the end i was like Am I supposed to be ready for this? I'm still a first yeah. stage Pokemon. Like, Zapdos how am I taking choza. on fucking Zapdos?
2: <laughs> and it's like so great that that has gravitas. Like, I miss when Legendary Pokemon had gravitas.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and they they do a lot to through through the the personality. I like a, the the text per, particularly here. The 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 actual personality they imbue through the script uh, for mm-hmm. all the Pokemon here that's what helped endear me to the story and the characters a lot like bro said it is a lot of like simple good guy stuff you know oh mean pokemon you know and all about friendship and staying together and working hard and all that But
0: each pokemon has a defined personality that you can sort of grow accustomed to and this game is good about and i i would say for me a fundamental part of pokemon or at the very least I want there to be is a uh, building relationship between you, the player and the creatures you use. Mm-hmm. And in this game, it's much less about you and the creatures you use as it is about you and your partner Pokemon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause th- that, that's the big thing I would say is that
0: the third Pokemon is, is really, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's who just, who gives a fuck about you, Absol? That's, yeah. the, that's <laughs> whatever it is. I got, or Magnemite. I, yeah, I used the
1: Magnemite <laughs> that you get in the beginning for a long time, because he was a good complement to the two types I had there. Uh, and then I got a fully evolved Pokemon in the later dungeon. I got a Houndoom, and I just started um, using him, because he was just really, really so good.
2: another difference between the original and the remake. In the remake, they upped the chance for you to recruit wild Pokemon. In... The original, you are lucky if you find something with a recruitment rate over ten percent.
0: <laughs> I, I was. A, you want to know how many how many Pokemon I was able to recruit? How much? Just, just like outside up of the, in the ones thing, that they
2: give you. Outside of the ones I just like casually in the in the floors or whatever. Yeah. Outside uh, of the ones that like Absol and Magnemite.
0: Between five to ten.
2: Yeah. Uh, in this playthrough, I recruited five additional. Yeah, ones. five to
0: ten was about right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I had a bunch more, and I just, I never even touched them.
2: Mm. Um, I like the friend areas. Uh, I really like the idea that you can, like, there's, uh, before you can recruit a Pokemon, you have to have a place it can live, and mm-hmm. you can just go in and look at those, like, all the guys you have in one area sort of hanging out, and they're very visually interesting in the original. You can walk around them. I know in the remake, they're just sort of screens, which yeah, you know, functions that's... better, probably.
1: Maybe, but the, you you definitely lose something in that. It just it just feels like an an inventory of Pokemon. It doesn't um, feel like that's where they they live. They don't have these environments. But I I do like that they are sequestered in these like specific areas. Again, you know, speaking to like the world of Pokemon and how they function within these environments. They have to have these. You know, each Pokemon has to have a specific environment, this ecosystem that they live within. Yeah. yeah. I, so, so I I like that. Uh, but it does seem like something's lost in the remake there by simplifying it.
0: I, yeah. I, have, a, I have a question for Mer. Mm-hmm. And d- Number one, did you play any sequels to this?
2: So, um, actually, no. The only other Mystery yes, Dungeon game did. I played was Super Mystery Dungeon, which is the most recent one um, from the 3DS. And that I, I only got really, I think, as far as like the end of the first act. Like, equivalent to this would be just beating Zapdos. Um, what I, what I was really wanting to know is this is like my
0: one like mechanics complaint mm-hmm. was so much the map design and look I get it the map is randomly generated I'm not like I'm not like but does it get I'm,
2: more interesting or dynamic yes um from super mystery dungeon I can pretty definitively say no it stays okay, that tile right. hallways and rooms set up um' I'll see,
1: I'll, I'll, to speak to the, the, the design and the mechanics of the dungeon crawling for a second, initially I found it a little clunky because it's also mm-hmm. turn-based, and so whenever combat took place, it, it felt like I could not get away. That I had to engage with combat all the time Yeah, but, uh, because getting away was just impossible, especially as your party started to grow, uh, at, at least in my case when I had more Pokemon following me, because it would just take forever to cycle back, I and mean, then I could only move one tile at a time to try and get away. Yeah. You know, and so, but, but and and then facing in certain directions was awkward at first until I discovered that there's a button you can use to just kind of, like, turn, uh, without using a turn to move. And that, I think, helped improve a lot, but it was not immediately apparent based on all of the instructions that that I was given initially. Uh, So all that to say that it didn't take too long for it all to kind of click into place and to understand how to move through a dungeon all right uh, the remake has a function where you can just like an auto function where you can just like your character will just go through they'll pick up items they'll try and make their way to the, the stairs to move on it the it
2: literally floor. plays itself
1: it does but it's it, until you get engaged in combat then it's uh, like oh now you have okay. to take over uh but at, at that point I, I because of that and because you run into so many combatants so often i just basically didn't use it unless i was feeling really really lazy um
0: there's one other aspect to gameplay that i personally wanted to mention and i was curious to see if this is changed in the remake at all inventory management um did you have problems with eating for instance like like when you go into deeper floors i I didn't have like super big problems to late game Mm -hmm. but like there's a belly function which basically ensures that you have to eat food to survive and this takes up an inventory slot or you could technically eat a berry for a little bit you should be eating apples or whatever yeah um like the that is a inventory you know plate balancing act how did that reflect in the remake
1: uh it was definitely something to be conscious of and to prep for i would have to have as many apples as I did like elixirs to make sure that I constantly had enough PP or, uh, and hope and more than berries or in berries to heal. Cause I would more often run out of belly than health ever because you regenerate health by moving as well, which is nice. Uh, it, we don't have to worry about getting too low. Um, in the post game is where the belly started to become a problem. Because yeah, some of those dungeons, some of those dungeons get, real long and they don't hand out apples probably as much as they should
2: no the the inventory and belly management doesn't really become a factor until that post game when you get dungeons that there are there are literally 10 dungeons in the game that are 99 floors deep that Uh-oh. is
1: That that is excessive in my opinion i i i got uh, i got to don't... one that was like 40 and i was already like okay this has been Extremely tedious. I just want to get to the the end of this and do. Tell me about the post (laughs) game.
2: The post game. Um. So really, beating the story mode is only the halfway point of the content.
1: I'll I'll say as well that when the end of the story came, it was like, "Oh, that was fast. I didn't realize it was done." But that's what makes
2: it sad. You don't get (laughs) time to say goodbye. Um. So the post game. So I, I did a count here in the main campaign. There are fourteen dungeons. The total game has forty-five dungeons.
1: Have we really played the game then, Murph? Um, <laughs> Have Ro and I really completed it.
0: Well, well, here's the thing though: is so the the maps are randomly generated. Yeah.
2: It's not like they handcrafted. No, you know, forty-five level ninety-nine yeah, dungeons. Exactly. But there's
1: more. There, there's more post-game narrative. So there's,
2: yeah. So it says like, oh, the story of. You know, the murf the uh the meowth. I was a meowth this time. Uh has ended, but the the story of your rescue team is still going. And that's like partly true. There are little story arcs that pop up, like at one point uh Latias comes to town, is like, I need help. My brother fell in this massive fissure. I need you to go rescue him. So there's so like So Latios
0: the... can't get out of the fissure no, himself.
2: No, no, he's like injured. Um oh. And so you rescue him, and then you learn that he was uh, taken out by, like, I, I think it was, like, the, it's the three legendary dogs. Uh, so oh, Suicune
0: so and Yeah, so
2: and each of geez. them have a dungeon, so you got to go deal with them. And then if you recruit all three of them, then you get another dungeon that's to go fight Ho-Oh. And there's the same thing with the legendary birds in Lugia. Um, there's... Uh, and it, a lot of these story segments are based on your uh, rank. So I think once you get gold rank, there's this cool cutscene where uh, Mewtwo sends out like a psychic signal to be like, "Hey, I'm the strongest Pokemon in the world. Come challenge me." Uh, and he's <laughs> very rescue
0: team oriented. Yeah.
2: Um, and then I don't. Did either of you manage to do the uh, the Gardevoir story arc?
1: I. I went and did the the Zapdos thing, and then that's all I had time to before we ended up coming here. Okay. I I did not get too much post-game
2: at all. When you get a particular friend zone, um, uh, so so Gardevoir in the story is, like, your guardian angel. She shows up in your dreams and, like, protects you. Um, And then uh, in the post-game, once you've gotten a friend zone that Gardevoirs can go into... Uh, you start doing this special bonus story arc. You, like, revert back to your player character, because in the original game, um, you can stop playing your player character. You can be any member of your team. Um, and so... who who should show up at your door but Gengar? And Gengar's like, hey, uh, that that Gardevoir, I, I want to help you uh, rescue her from death. Uh, uh... So, I don't, uh, like, the twist of the fucking century turns out Gengar is Gardevoir's partner.
0: Oh, oh! That, is this I weird see. that I
2: saw that coming? That makes it's, sense. When I was a kid, that, that blew my mind. But playing it back, it's like, oh, all the signs are there. But it's yeah, like, you know what? I, I like that. It adds like yeah, sort I of nuance it. to the story.
1: No, I, I I like that. You you mentioned something though in there that I need a bit more clarification on. Uh, this this concept of a friend zone is that something you're familiar with more so? I don't know a whole lot about the friend zone.
2: <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man! Oh my god! I'm, I'm okay, well, for, I'm I'm looking for a semblance of this podcast. Has anyone <laughs> seen it? Oh my yeah. god! Where did you go? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, David, why don't you uh, why don't you pop up Kirby and waddle these nuts?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> was that was, was was this it? Was this how is this how the illustrious David is gonna end this podcast? I feel, I feel,
1: like, I feel like I may have hurt my chances on so, the podcasting score here.
2: <laughs> hmm. Let me ask okay, so I feel like we're coming to the end of it. Let me ask you guys this. Do you feel now that we have covered it, do you think you, like you particularly, David, who got the remake, do you see yourself playing more of this in your spare I, time?
1: I want to go back and play more, knowing how much more is in that post-game, and with the little bit I did play and seeing how much more challenging it was, because there's definitely a lot more challenge. There's there's more to be said as well, like, uh, you know, as soon as you get to the end, you basically, you can, like, evolve your, your, your starters that you had there, mm-hmm. so you become a lot more powerful, so you can actually take on these giant threats um the the really the only discouraging factor is how long some of those dungeons are yeah because just just doing doing even just the one i was and and especially if you're not fully prepared and they don't give you enough supplies again i i I spent like an hour probably going through like just that that one 40 floor dungeon and i didn't have enough supplies to get to the end i ran i went through all my my pokemon whose food because that was that was the other thing i could probably go longer than you guys could because i could switch between all three mm-hmm. Pokemon I went in until all of their stomachs were empty, and I was just completely out of food. And I was like, "Okay, I could keep going until I literally die, or I could just use this escape warp I have." Yeah, I
2: I never have gotten into the real long dungeons. I um, I usually get to the halfway point of the post game, and once the dungeons start getting more than fifty floors, that's when I tap out generally. Yeah, I. I but think that, the notion that's... that there is so much more post-game um, for people that really get into this—that's like you know I think it's a good package deal.
1: Def definitely, I think there's a lot there, to, a lot of content to, to go through, and it seems very worthwhile. Um, you know, and again, especially if any of the you know big bosses that you fight and recruit are anything like the ones in the main story. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the amount of character and challenge and kind of prestige that comes with those uh, fights. Uh, if it's if they're at all like that, then they seem very much worthwhile in, investing in. It's just it, I think it's a lot of time sink that might be yeah. too difficult to justify.
2: What about you,
0: Brogan? To, to, to answer your question, I think I would be I am number one. I'm not a huge person to completely comprehensively play 100 percent, or do post games i would be more likely to look at sequels okay so for that i think i think directions for the franchise would be what interests me
2: i think um so for that i have good news because the sequel to rescue um mystery dungeon rescue teams um the explorers which is explorers of time darkness and sky and sky is sort of like the emerald of those Mm -hmm. um where it's just sort of a, a comprehensive like like
0: half step yeah.
2: yeah um those i hear are exceeding like like people love those ones exciting that, that uh, i, I think this, i think
0: this game could be approached with a little bit more refinement. if there is a sequel that sort of like stands up and like People, addresses
2: some of these little things like I cannot um, overstate I I really yeah it. I cannot overstate how much people love the explorers games um uh and then from there like there's um like guardian like Ex- Pope mystery dungeon guardians I think it is which is the gen 5 one uh people really don't like that one because it's super simplified that gets rid of like that gets rid of friend areas that gets rid of hunger. Um, and I think it's only got like 20 some dungeons and then you've got super mm. mystery dungeon, which has continents to explore. It's like, it's, uh, that one's massive. Uh, the issue with suit and it's also got a very, I've read the synopsis and it like all these games have like surprise dark moments. It's super mystery dungeon definitely does from a twist. I did not see coming. Um, uh, the issue with Super Mystery Dungeon is it changes the recruitment uh, process and the the side jobs. It kind of almost entirely gets rid of the side jobs. Instead, you have, like, a set series of missions. And at the end of, if you do those missions, you automatically recruit the Pokemon that gave you that mission. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, and one of the, the seventh one you get is from a Salamence.
1: Oh, yeah, that probably makes it just super easy then. Yeah,
2: it makes it... It's like, I don't know why they did that. I l- literally do not know why they did that to give you uh, salamence right at the start of the game.
1: Yeah, super, super busted. Um, I, I guess for any final thoughts for me, uh, it should be said that without the context of the previous games, but knowing a lot of the differences here and some of the changes they made, I do think that this is worth... Playing worth the price point, even you know it might be harder for someone who just played those. Certainly, like you guys might not want to buy it, having just played these. But in terms of you've you've got a complete redesign visually, new art art style,
2: new animations. The the soundtrack is entirely orchestral, which I am very much for because I love the music in these games. Yeah.
0: Oh, Oh, the the other thing I was going to say was uh I did I didn't listen to the music. I this was a podcast game oh, for me. Mm, this <laughs> that's this totally was fair. a this this was a let's put on let's put on some hour long reviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I,
1: I I mean I did watch some stuff while I was playing but there were also t- stretches where I was just playing the game and I was really, you know, just enjoying that as well. Uh, and uh, part of the reason I wanted to play this version was because I wanted to play it on on, on the screen. I wanted to have I, you know again the, the this simple function of the you know the switch itself is to be able to pick it up and play it in my hands or play it on the screen. I didn't want to have to go buy a cartridge you know for yeah. uh, this. I didn't want to have to play it on a you know an emulator. I didn't want to have to you know do it on my computer. I wanted the actual tactile console feel sure and, sure. Yeah, and and I felt like the film was or, shit. shit. I felt they
2: yeah, yeah, Slip up, poor marks. Poor marks brought up <laughs> movies in a Game podcast.
1: I felt that the game was very satisfying as a complete package as a game. I didn't feel like I was getting like a shoddy, you know, just you know, version of something that was done already, you know, like fifteen years ago or whatever. Yeah. You know, it 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 felt for for all intents and purposes as good as any modern Pokemon game could. Certain, I can certainly only hope that's solid. how the
0: Advance Wars remake is gonna be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so so for anyone
1: who is somewhere willing,
2: in Germany, Pavlos grins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for anyone who's willing to throw down the sixty dollars for for this game, I think it would definitely be worth it. You'll be very satisfied, and as we've gone over, there's definitely enough content to justify you know that, that kind of price point, It's just your willingness to put in the time for all of it.
2: Hmm.
0: I, I have an existential pokemon question sure all right this is this is how we're going to end on on this like you no know, d- do we love all the pokemon is it like in terms of like the the franchise does do we start to waver are there generations we do don't like
2: or is it all good no, in the no i, I, I do not care not. for gen four
0: yeah no there
1: there are definitely bad bad generations uh, Murph and I may disagree on some of them But yeah, I don't think anyone Loves my, every generation
2: <laughs> My take is Every every Pokemon uh, Is someone's favorite Except for probably Vanillix
1: <laughs> you, don't, you don't think someone likes the ice cream Pokemon?
2: I think someone likes The first and middle of the ice cream Pokemon the The, the final evolution I think is a bit much for anyone <laughs>
1: I, I don't know. I think I think you can find a way worse, you know, nobody I used, one, I used to say Quillfish.
2: I used to no, say Quillfish. Now Quillfish. Quillfish is cool. But then Quillfish they gave cool. Quillfish a cool evolution, so it's like, whatever. Maybe Stunfisk.
1: <laughs> Maybe, but that's what the competitive Pokemon subreddit is named after, so they've, they've got to really oh like God. it, I guess.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, we're... Well, well, David, you know we've looked at your resume. We've 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 assessed your uh, thing. We'll get back to you on whether or not you're we'll get... uh, Let me,
2: uh, you know, maybe David, yeah, you know, maybe David would be better served on like uh, something in his home <laughs> environment, like an actual podcast talking about movies. Um, tell us about podcasting with movies, David. Movies, do you uh... um do you spoil things on these? on these movie podcasts
1: unfortunately i have not been invited to spoil things yet maybe one of our chief spoilers will will invite me to do so but in the meantime you can definitely tune into i'm thinking of spoiling things as our uh main current film discussion uh, podcast discussion okay podcast series. now do you
2: do you rank monsters not I, pocket monsters yeah yeah just like regular
1: uh Giant monsters, even uh, or, or Pokemon, Pokemon
0: count as kaiju, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. What? I guess they yeah. so
2: they're a kaiju We're... Pokemon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I we'll have to ask the Groudon the, is the Godzilla. Ka- yeah, we'll have to get the the, the ranking the monsters uh, opinion on which Pokemon are the most kaiju. What are the most kaiju? Pokemon? Oh my God!
2: Can we get them to review a Pokemon movie?
1: I I think we can. I think we can spin that. I, th- I absolutely Maybe. think we can spend that. What? what about just the ep- that one episode from, from the first series where
2: they had the island of giant Pokemon? Do you think they would ooh. do that? Ooh, ooh, and that's got a twist Stephen will like. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. So
1: definitely check out Ranking the Monsters for their uh, upcoming Pokemon discussion, because that's definitely happening now. We also have uh, the the music podcast that Calvin does, 808s and Pod Breaks. Yeah. Uh, uh the the don't let the modern cast get you, the going through all of the modern media films, uh from all like four or five of them that are on that show who, who do that. And of course uh our, our flagship show, The Twin Geeks, in which we are going through directors' filmographies. We just wrapped up Sean Cocteau and the next one's gonna be a, a special episode, just like a a one off one to talk about a uh foo fighters who or calvin and i feel very strongly about and and are very saddened by the recent passing of the drummer taylor hawkins so we're just gonna reminisce a bit talk about their various medias the the new film that they did just shortly before this uh and some of their documentaries and stuff covering them and just just a general discussion you know about them but and then we'll announce the next director we're going to tackle on that episode
2: Okay. Okay. That all sounds good, uh, Broken. I've I've got the assessment here. I think we should stay as part of the Twin Geeks Network. Okay.
0: All right. No, no, I understand. I understand where you're coming from on this. Um. On one condition. Oh yeah. Uh. I go on the Twin Geeks Cast eventually in the year twenty thirty. Twenty thirty. They finally decide <laughs> to review all Dan Aykroyd directed <laughs> pictures. <laughs> Oh, are you expecting there to be new ones By 2030 <laughs> <laughs> Well I'm the ghost you know He's really into ghosts so we'll see what happens Okay
1: <laughs> Alright well we'll stay tuned for Our uh, upcoming nothing but trouble Episode and whatever else <laughs> Dan Aykroyd Is working on
0: I think he did spies like us, right? Did no, you know I did just, the spies one with Chevy Chase? I just
1: double checked. His sole directing credit is nothing but trouble. And <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's so that's that's funny, and I know, I know enough. Episodes. I know enough about nothing but trouble to say it's that nothing it but, a very but trouble. Big time.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. The outro is playing. Don't worry about it. We're fading out. Okay. Uh,
2: Peace. Okay, under two hours.